0: Chapter the Second, Qualis Abbas. Continue. Let him make no distinction of persons in the monastery. Let not one be loved more than another, unless he be found to excel in good works or in obedience. Let not one of noble birth BE PUT BEFORE HIM THAT WAS FORMERLY A SLAVE, UNLESS SOME OTHER REASONABLE CAUSE EXISTS FOR IT. BUT, IF UPON JUST CONSIDERATION IT SHOULD SO SEEM GOOD TO THE ABBOT, LET HIM ARRANGE AS HE PLEASE, CONCERNING THE PLACE OF one WHOMSOEVER. BUT OTHERWISE LET THEM KEEP THEIR OWN PLACES, BECAUSE, WHETHER BOND OR FREE, we are all one in Christ and bear an equal rank in the service of one Lord. For with God there is no respecting of persons. Only for one reason are we preferred in his sight, if we be found to surpass others in good works and in humility. Let the abbot then show equal love to all, and let the same discipline be imposed upon all according to their deserts. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks. Thank you God. God. Let not one be loved more than another. This is another way of saying that the abbot is to love all his sons. Charity is the bond of unity in the monastery. The abbot's love for each of his sons, the love of each monk for his abbot, the fraternal love of the monks one for another. The monastery is held together by charity. As soon as charity begins to grow cold in the community, be it the charity existing between the abbot and one of the brethren, or between two of the brethren, the health, the spiritual health and soundness of the whole community is jeopardized. Every increase of charity, brings with it an increase of unity. The increase of unity in a community assures its health and its fecundity, its supernatural fruitfulness. Fruitfulness uh, always uh, follows upon unity. Uh, We see this even in the biological order of things, union and then fruitfulness. And so too, in the monastic family, the fruitfulness of a monastery is directly proportionate to its unity. And the unity of a monastic family derives from charity. And so, as St. John the Apostle is reported to have said in his great old age over and over again, little children love ye one another, little children love ye one another. The order of the monastic community is not based on one's achievements in the world, not on the income one may have had or not have had in the world, not on the money one may have had in the bank account, not on the academic degrees one may or may not hold, uh, not on the situation of uh, one's parents or grandparents or ancestors. No. When we come to the monastery, we enter in as little brothers. And we are little brothers one to another. The abbot being the father of the family and each man being a brother uh, to, uh, to the others. And so the order of the community is based... As in a family, there is a birth order, so in the monastery, the order is determined by the date of one's monastic birthday, I suppose you might say, one's arrival in the monastery. Uh, And so at the moment, Brother John Baptist is the littlest brother. And after John Baptist, Brother Hildebrand is a little brother, and so forth. And it's quite normal that in a monastic family we have a special affection for the brothers who are junior to us. We are to look after the brothers junior to us with a manly but tender solicitude. And then when you come to the abbot, well he has to look after each of his sons with a fatherly solicitude but just as in a family when a new child is born that child is welcomed and surrounded with much attention and affection so it happens in a monastery when a new man arrives Uh, he's surrounded with attention and with affection and this facilitates a man's insertion into the monastic life we make it easier for a man to adjust to life in the cloister by showing him special attention in those first months after his arrival I received a lovely letter from Joseph uh, today and today is also Nathan's graduation day from university. And these are the next two little brothers who will arrive in the family. And it's not too soon to begin praying for them and supporting them as they prepare to leave everything behind, including their country, leave everything behind, their friends, their family, are to come to uh, Silver Stream. Uh, So I wrote to Joseph to assure him of our support as he begins um, a fortnight of goodbyes. Uh, Goodbye to this one, goodbye to that one. Uh, uh, Tying up loose ends, um, a series of detachments. A man comes to the monastery after having detached himself from persons dear to him, uh, parents, family, friends, uh, from places that are dear and familiar, from a certain scenery, a certain geography that is dear and familiar. And when a man comes to the monastery, he is, the French have a good word for it, out of his country, uh, in uncharted, uh, in 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 a context that is largely unfamiliar and strange. Even if a man has already come for three months, he knows that at the end of the three months he's going home. But when a man enters as a postulant, it's quite different. He really is turning his back on his previous life and stepping into the unknown. All he knows is that the love of God goes before him. And that, uh, on the other side of the cloister door, there is a family ready to welcome him with open arms. Nonetheless, Uh, It is no little thing to leave behind all that is familiar, all that is comforting, um, all that gave a man a sense of belonging, a sense of security. Of those who make up our community, uh, only Dom Finian uh, didn't leave his native land to enter the monastery, but he had to come back to it. <laughs> and that was its own kind of detachment. Tom uh, Finney was living abroad and he came back to Ireland. So without leaving your native land, you did have to return to it after having seen the world. Uh, and that's a different kind of detachment. But everyone else has come from abroad which means that we are a community uh, of exiles for the love of Christ, at least as the community is presently constituted. And I don't exclude Don Finian from that, because he exiled himself from the uh, fabulous opportunities given him by his career to travel and see the world. So. At the end of the day, every man who enters the monastery makes himself an exile from the world for the love of Christ. And uh, this is done uh, not without pain, not without a grieving over things, not without a sense of loss. And for this reason, uh, we are to do all that we can to uh, show one another uh, a fraternal charity, out of that fraternal charity we grow in unity, out of that unity comes the fruitfulness of the monastery. Let the abbot show equal love to all and let the same discipline be imposed upon all according to their deserts. So the abbot is to dispense both love and discipline. And isn't this uh, the task of every father? To uh, raise his children, showing at once love and the exigencies of discipline. And this this is the role of the abbot. Be the man who loves and who disciplines uh, as needed. Um, uh, the abbot loves without measure because his love is patterned after the love of the heart of Jesus the Good Shepherd. And he disciplines uh, in order to safeguard uh, love in the community. And by safeguarding love with discipline, he safeguards unity and thereby assures the fruitfulness and the ongoing life of the monastery. Today is the feast of Our Lady of Fatima. Um, We usually call the Blessed Virgin by this name in relation to the events of 1917, but she identified herself as the Lady of the Rosary. And at Fatima, she revealed her maternal and immaculate heart. Today is, I think, a day of grace for our monastery. I ask you to open wide your hearts to whatever the Blessed Virgin uh, desires uh, with her maternal intuition, with her supernatural insight, From her place in heaven, um, we can say of Our Lady what we say to our Lord in the song. Thou hast probed me and thou knowest me. Thou knowest when I sit and when I stand. Before even a word is on my tongue, thou knowest the whole of it. Our Lady shares in the divine perception of our lives, of our circumstances. Of our sufferings. Our Lady sees our infirmities. She watches our every step the way a mother watches the first steps of a little child. Our Lady is ready to do for us the things that we of ourselves and by ourselves cannot do. I invite you today uh, to so open yourself to the action of the the Mother of God, that she is able to uh, reach into your hearts and do there whatever needs to be done. Joseph and uh, Seth are making an act of consecration to the Blessed Virgin Mary today, having prepared themselves for 30 days to make it then uh, keep them in our prayer, but for us who are here in the monastery, today's feast, today's event, the 100th anniversary of the apparition of the Mother of God in Fatima, is an opportunity for us to go before Our Lady uh, with open hearts, uh, to invite her to reach in and to disinfect our hearts perhaps, Uh, if infection, uh, spiritual infection, has um, weakened uh, us, uh, if there's infection in the heart, uh, Our Lady can remove that infection. I think of little, little Mildred who had to go to the clinic. Uh, Last night, because she has an infection, uh, uh, and the veterinarian looked after the little creature. Well, the Mother of God uh, has the gift of removing infection from human hearts, and uh, infection in the heart weakens the whole organism. I think that all of the spiritual maladies catalogued by the fathers, by the doctors of the interior life, um, can be traced back to some kind of infection of the heart. And so it's fitting that we have recourse today to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Uh, The only heart, uh, free, our art, Tainted nature's solitary boast, as the poet says. The only heart free from contagion, from infection, from sin. Uh, After the heart of Jesus formed in her virginal womb, uh, the heart of Mary is immaculate. The Eastern Church uses the term all-holy all holy means, entirely filled with and given to God, occupied by God. Uh, And St. Luke, giving us words of the angel Gabriel, says, full of grace. Uh, Our Lady, when she sees uh, any one of her children weakened, (coughs) by an infection of the heart, is moved to pity. And she is willing to do for each of us whatever needs to be done in order to restore us to spiritual health. So today, uh, consecrate yourselves to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And she will respond to that act of consecration a handing over of oneself, a making over of oneself to her. She will respond to that action by uh, addressing uh, and by uh, caring for uh, whatever uh, infections or pathologies may have weakened us in our journey thus far. The Mother of God, as part of her treatment, spiritual health uh, in all her modern apparitions has uh, held out the rosary. Uh, Many souls have difficulty telling the beads. Even St. Therese found the rosary difficult. But she said it all the same. Um, Each bead on the rosary is like a tablet that you have to take. (laughs) It's a remedy. It's a medicine. So if you find the rosary a difficult prayer, don't be discouraged. Uh, Just as uh, some of us have to take uh, certain prescribed tablets uh, on certain days at certain times, uh, so too is the rosary a medicinal prayer, a therapeutic prayer. When you take a tablet, it's not agreeable. Uh, It may uh, be difficult to swallow, but we do it because uh, the doctor caring for us has made the prescription and because we trust his judgment and we believe that the doctor uh, knows what he's doing when he prescribes a certain tablet well if you don't have a particular devotion to the rosary if you find the rosary difficult think of it as a medical prescription and just trust the prescriber just trust the prescriber the mother of god the health of the sick and um, i've often said to to brothers who struggle with the rosary as many do many do uh, if you find it difficult to say the rosary in one sitting, uh, break it up into decades throughout the day. And if even that is too much for you, get into the practice of saying Hail Marys in all your comings and goings, down the stairs, up the stairs, across the courtyard, uh, down to the gate and back again, uh, to the chicken coop, to the garden, if you get into the habit of, uh, I almost want to say, strewing Hail Marys (laughs) in every direction as you go, you can believe that Our Lady will gather them up and she will string them together and make a complete rosary out of them. That's what a mother does. So part of the prayer of the heart in our Western tradition, in addition, calling upon the name of Jesus uh, with every breath, with every heartbeat, which each of us does in his own way. There is the tradition of calling upon the mother of God. Um, and I say in the West, knowing full well that saints of the East also uh, discovered and uh, profited from and tasted the sweetness of and recommended this constant recourse to the Mother of God. Uh, Saint Seraphim of Sarov was so devoted to what we would call the Holy Rosary that he even founded a monastery dedicated to the prayer of the Rosary, the rule of prayer of the monastery that he founded at Divyevo was uh, the repetition of the angelic salutation in commemoration of the great mysteries of the life of our Lord and of the Mother of God. So there is certainly a a long tradition not only of calling upon the name of Jesus but also of greeting the Mother of God. Remember in the life of St. Bernard the episode when Uh, Bernard was visiting uh, an abbey in Belgium, if I'm not mistaken, and passing in front of the image of the Mother of God, Saint Bernard being a very courtly sort of man, bowed and said Ave Maria from the heart, greeting the Mother of God. And the statue was seen to bow in return and say Ave Bernarde. And when Mary greets a soul, that greeting is a communication of grace, of comfort, of strength, of sweetness, of joy. So I I do invite you to to practice um, the uh, ceaseless recourse to the Mother of God in prayer. That comes together, very beautifully in the rosary as we have received it, the rosary that the Blessed Virgin Mary holds out to us as a kind of remedy, a medicine. You may not want to take the medicine, but if you trust the giver of the medicine, you will take it and then experience its benefits. We're privileged to have in our monastery um, rather significant relics. Of today's uh, new uh, little saints, Francisco and Jacinta. Um, uh, And we have as well a piece of the holm oak tree on which Our Lady appeared at Fatima 100 years ago. Uh, It was arranged for Don Finian and I to obtain these relics when we visited Fatima for the baptism of the child of our Portuguese ablates uh, Marco and Isa and we went to meet the postulator of the cause of the children of Fatima and I made a a very compelling appeal for relics and she relented and she said I will give you the same relics that were given to the Pope in the same kind of reliquary," and so we have them a piece of the coffin of Francisco and of the coffin of Jacinta and a piece of the tree on which the Mother of God uh, appeared. So I will bless each of you now, one by one, with the relics of the new saints.